Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Into the Fogcast podcast. This week we're going to be doing things slightly different. There is going to be no intro, what we normally do. The reason being is because we have interviewed somebody who we've interviewed before. He used to be a Bobber main and now he switched to Billy. So there's no point in going over old stuff. Pretty much nothing has changed between me and Tofa. You know, we, we don't play much Billy or anything like that. So we thought, well, the interview was long enough anyway. So yeah. the reason why this interview is late is because last week or well, the week before I went on holiday and I literally didn't get back until like the Tuesday night. I had no interviews already done, so I couldn't release anything. So this is why this interview is late. But yeah, um, like I said, no intro this week and just enjoy the interview. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Into the Fogcast podcast. This week we have another guest and this one you might know who he is. But please guess, tell us who you are and who you mean. My name is um, John. I go by John Tiyumi, T-Y-U-M-I on Twitch. And uh, I mean uh, the hillbilly. So for all you observant listeners out there, we've had John on the show before. He used to be a Bubba main back in the day, and he's since switched to Billy. He has racked up more downs in such a short space of time. We just felt it was right to have him back on the show. At the time of this recording, he's 21st on the leaderboard and has over 26k downs. So, tell us, what made you switch to Billy from Bubba? Um, Billy's uh, counterplay can be more difficult than Leatherface's counterplay when you are skillful with the chainsaw. And I knew that and I realized that, so I wanted to switch to somebody who wasn't so easily um, countered by just simply dropping a pallet and then trying to chain as many tiles together as they possibly can. Um, so that was why I decided to main Billy. Not not only that, but like I really liked doing Sky Billy, which is now sadly gone. That was lots of fun, and people seem to really <clears throat> appreciate and respect like a really good hillbilly, and that's the kind of content they want to watch. So uh, just for streaming, it kind of made sense to switch to somebody that was more skillful to play, and uh, was you could provide content that was like a little more peculiar than just somebody who lands chainsaw hits. So thanks for agreeing to do this interview again, uh, John. It's great to have you here. Uh, maybe if we do this a third time, man, we'll have you on as a blight main or something. Yeah. So let's start with you. Let's start with your build. Uh, there's many kinds of builds out there, from the most efficient builds, the fun builds, and builds people like to run on a regular basis. What works for you, and why do you run it? The the build that I use most often these days um, is I will use Shadowborn, which that is a wraith perk that is free and it gives you fifteen percent increased. Uh, field of view. Uh, I am absolutely addicted to this perk and I use it on Billy and Blight and uh, I can get away with it not using it on Oni but I love this perk and it it really just changes the look and the feel of the character. Having that extra field of view you might think is a bit of a gimmick but as somebody who has like nearing 6,000 hours in the game I can tell you uh, it is worth the perk slot for me and I've tried to get rid of it because I'm fairly sweaty at the game and I like to optimize my builds. That is the one perk that I have on every single build. So Shadowborn, it for me is base good. I have three other perks to play with. Um, another good perk that I like to throw on Billy. This is just the build that I will typically run unless I bring like a specific <clears throat> map offering. I will bring Bamboozle, which is available from the clown. And then I will bring uh, 
No Way Out, which is a trickster perk, and then I will bring Deadlock. And the idea of this build is you have the um, the extra two minutes that Deadlock will buy you in a game, which is very, very nice because gen speeds, as of this current uh, recording, which I believe we're in 6.1, we're, we're in the chapter where Wesker brought in Hyperfocus with Rebecca, and gen speeds go very, very quick. And having just an extra 30% regression on top of a gen is really nice. And then having an extra minute of no way out if you hook all four survivors can oftentimes net you another kill. It's really, really good. So that's just kind of my basic build. And the add-ons that I use, because that's very important for Billy, is I use a Doom engraving and I use the low pro chains. Um, I used to do two engravings, which is a Doom and Death engraving, but... It, that's just kind of gimmicky, and it's really difficult to make that work. And most survivors are just going to fairly easily avoid um, a curve by just running away from the tile, which is obnoxious. There are currently 100 killer perks in the game, but this includes licensed killers too. So let's focus on the free perks where people might not have licensed killers. Do you have any builds where people might not want to spend any money that are easily accessible? Um, so yeah, Shadowborn, which again is a perk that I, that I stand by very strictly, um, is available from the Wraith. And I think this perk is phenomenal, uh, for movement-based killers like Billy, like Blight. You can get away with it, uh, not using it on like Nurse and, and Oni, but, um, for Billy and Blight for me, I do not take it off. I very much enjoy this perk. And it's, like I said, it's available from, available from the Wraith, which is a killer that everyone has. Um, again, Bamboozle, which is a clown perk. Uh, you can spend about 9,000 iridescent shards to get that uh, this perk, which what it does is when you vault a window, it will then block the window from survivors wanting to uh, loop it, you know, potentially three times and, and just kind of waste your time at maybe, let's say, a tile that is difficult to curve or um, shack can be... Can, shack can be fairly annoying against a really skilled survivor if you're only running one engraving and... Even if you are running two engravings, it can actually be quite difficult if, if they decide to just run away from the tile. So Bamboozle, Clown Perk, uh, very good. And um, in place of Deadlock, you could also throw on Corrupt Intervention. They don't achieve the same thing, but um, Corrupt Intervention is similar enough to Deadlock and available for free if you have the Plague, which again, you can buy with shards, that it can kind of fit the place of the perk that I named. Um, or you can use no edit, something like that, because I think no edit is, is a great perk and a little bit weaker these days since they nerfed it when they decided to uh, nerf most major perks in the game. Um, and then no way out, which is again is available from the trickster. You could you could replace that with no edit or maybe um, blood warden, but blood warden is not free. But um, no way out, I think, is worth running and one of the best perks in the game. So um, if you want to spend some iridescent shards, you can definitely replicate my build but if not you can just do the standard like uh enduring which is the hillbillies perk and and then <clears throat> maybe uh shadowborn maybe get brutal strength from trapper which is a very good perk uh if you're not running low pro and um then maybe just a fourth perk if you're choosing like noed or something so there's occasions where even those who have the most play to win kind of mentality and even you yourself have said you can be quite sweaty at the game sometimes but surely there are times where you like to run maybe a less than optimal build whether it's to give yourself an intentional disadvantage or to have some fun with the survivors with like a gimmicky meme build would you like to share with us any such meme builds that you like to use for fun well playing billy is already enough of a disadvantage for me most times i don't really mess around with too many gimmicky builds um 
There is a build called Flick Millie, which is, uh, I didn't think of it, but it is a lot, lots of fun to use. It is when you use Coup de Gras, which is a perk from the Twins. And then there is uh, Noed, right? Hex Noed. No one escapes death. And the idea behind, and then you, of course, you can pair any sort of like. In my instance, I can only pair one more perk with it because I Shadowborn on every loadout. Um, you can, it's it's a late game build, so you can pair some sort of other late game perk with it, like No Way Out or Blood Warden or something like that. But the idea is, you spend the whole game trying to land chainsaw hits on survivors, and then uh, after the last generator gets done, you now have five stacks of Q de Gras, which if you don't know what that is, it's a perk where if you lunge, um, your lunge distance is greatly increased, so you can land some very strange uh, M1 attacks or maybe some unsafe pallets, and then you have uh, Noah on your side, which of course kind of starts like a little mini game, you might say, for survivors to then hunt down and cleanse your Noah in a reasonable time before you down the whole team. But that's called Flick Millie, and um, that's a fairly decent build. There's also the Jimmy build, too. Again, I didn't think of this. I want to say Deadly Naya on Twitch um, thought of this build, but I, I can't be certain about that, so don't quote me on that one. Um, anyways, Jimmy is when you run Speed Limiter, which is a meme add-on for Billy, and then you run uh, Low Pro Chains. And so what this essentially is, is no matter what happens, when you use your chainsaw to try and land it down, you will always get one health stage. Um, if the survivor drops a pallet and you hit them, you get one health stage. If if you just chainsaw them normally, you get uh, one health stage. Uh, you get a lot of blood points, which is nice, but you will probably not win the game using the Jimmy build because those two add-ons greatly invalidate your power and uh, provide a lot of counterplay to a killer that already has way too much counterplay. I've used those two add-ons myself. I think the only time I've used it was in that old tome challenge where you had to get so many downs in a single game with your chainsaw i didn't know it worked like that but yeah that's that makes sense um the the one we are not chainsaw downs but chainsaw hits you need to get seven hits in yeah i guess that makes sense um yeah i i, I as you can imagine i didn't have too much issue getting that that tome challenge done but i know a lot of people that were like you know very much upset with it but um yeah, that, that, is, that is the Jimmy build, so congrats on, on playing with it. So add-ons are such an important part of anyone's gameplay and can completely change the way the game is played. Now, I know you touched upon a couple of add-ons already, but I would imagine there are some good add-ons that are worth using and some that are not. So can you tell us the ones that you would recommend and which ones you would avoid? Um, Billy's add-ons are in a really sorry state right now. His iridescent add-ons are pretty much worthless if not a gimmick um you might get one down with them but they are not going to work against good survivors you would never think to yourself uh this looks like a really good squad i'm going to bring out my apex muffler or iridescent brick uh which is both of which are just absolutely terrible um apex muffler of course mutes the chainsaw's noise when nobody's inside of your terror radius which is stupid uh just worthless very bad and then Eerie Brick makes you undetectable if you chainsaw for longer than two seconds. It's some people like to do what they call Sniper Billy or Drift King Billy, where you just you put on like the the uh, spiked boots, which are a purple add-on that increase your churn rate, and um, then you just zip around the map and try and land chainsaw downs on unsuspecting survivors. That is like only viable on maybe four or five. It, viable is a funny word there. It's you can get just negligible use out of it on maybe four or five maps in the game it's it his iridescence are terrible and i only probably i've spent something in the ballpark of like 70 million blood points on billy according to uh this one dead by daylight stats website 
and I have fewer than 100 of each of those because I don't buy them. I would I would buy Mori's over those things. They are useless. Um, the low pro chains, those are good. Uh, it, it can be very difficult to land a low pro chain, so I hit on a survivor. Kind of requires you to dance at the pallet a bit, like where you, you know, if they, if they begin to run to the right, you also run to the right so that they run more center towards the pallet, and then that's when you have the chains already, and then you curve through the pallet, and then maybe you get the hit. But it, it really does depend. Some, some pallets are very, very tricky, but at the very least, what it lets you do is keep pace with the survivor um, when you're able to get it to activate when they don't read. At the at the proper moment, so low pro is fairly solid, um, and then uh, the Pegasus gloves. These add-ons, what they do is when your chainsaw is overheated, you have brutal strength and enduring. Um, this add-on is not good because it is such a specific instance of you would need to manually tap the M2 on your mouse to overheat your chainsaw, and then from that point forward, you would have. Um, Overheat uh, enabled, and then you have brittle enduring, meaning you're supposed to like walk through pallets or something. But it's I, I understand what you're trying to do with it, but I feel as if overheat is just kind of a failed mechanic, anyways. And uh, the pickaxe gloves are bad. Does um, the spiked boots again are a purple add-on of his that, I, as I stated, increase the churn radius. However, what they also do is they give you an increased fatigue state when you slam into a wall at stun duration is increased by something like 28%, I believe. And it is absurd how long of a stun that is already and to add on to it makes them not worth using, in my opinion. I think the spiked boots are um, kind of a, a bad add-on because of that um, <clears throat> that that's, uh, debuff on them. And I, I do not recommend those at all. Tune Carburetor can be okay. The, what this, what this add-on does is uh, when you, it, it decreases the chainsaw's um, charge time at the expense of your movement speed is now reduced to one ten percent movement speed, which is fairly slow. Um, it can be okay on some maps, like on on Larry's, which is just a horrible map in general. You 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 will regret bringing it, but on on some maps, if you're good at curving, if you pair it with like doom engravings, you can get some decent value out of it. It's it's I would say try it out before you really judge it because it's it's not bad. Um, the black grease, which uh, when you become blind in your chainsaw charges quicker, is horrible. It's a very bad add-on. Um, the doom engravings, which increase your movement speed by uh, 20% at the expense of 12% increased charge time, are very good and should honestly uh, be base kit because there's not exist many builds that don't utilize those. Oftentimes, um, every single add-on combination that Billy that you'll see a Billy run will involve doom engravings because they're one of his few add-ons that uh, are necessary to make him um, playable, especially against decent survivors. Um, the leafy mash, when you hit a chainsaw, when you land a chainsaw hit and it makes you undetectable, it's kind of interesting, but like not really that useful. It doesn't really matter very much. If it wasn't in the game, nobody would care. Um, low kickback chains, they're okay. I, I still use them every now and again. They're really not very bad, but uh, they... Yeah, I don't need. This shouldn't be a green add-on. It's just, it's definitely not good enough to be a green. But they're not bad. Um, the mother's helpers, which reduces the charge time of your chainsaw when you get stunned with the pallet, is not the worst. You know, they they could buff it significantly, um, for sure, and it still wouldn't be very strong. Uh, it's it's one of his like just mediocre ones. It's not great. It's not even very good. Um, the big buckle, which reduces your tear radius by 8 meters when you're overheated, is horrible and probably one of the worst add-ons in the game. 
um, death engravings, which they're they're pretty solid. It's 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 just a weaker version of the uh, of the doom engravings. It increases the charge time by twelve percent, but it doesn't give you twenty percent movement speed. It's only like fifteen, so that one's okay. Um, Off-brand motor oil, which uh, reduces the range with which the chainsaw can be heard by thirty percent, is terrible. Um, just one of the worst add-ons in the game. Don't bother. Uh, punctured muffler is only okay because chains the chainsaw overheats. Like the overheat mechanic is bad, and uh, punctured muffler can in some ways I guess make it more bearable, but it's pretty terrible. Uh, Dad's boots. Those are the only turning add-ons that I think are worth using. If you want to do that, like doom engravings or death engravings, that's not a bad loadout at all. So. Yeah, that's what I normally run. I normally run at least one engravings and Dad's boots. Yeah. And that's totally fine. That's that's definitely a good loadout. Like, if I were going up against survivors that like were maybe not the best at the game, I would be I would be okay running those for sure. But for the most part, um, is there a penalty on Dad's boots? No, <clears throat> nope. Dad's boots is just a flat increase to your turn uh, radius, which is really nice. So it's very important that before you go into a match, you get the right perks and add-ons. But that's only half the job. There's always a map to deal with too. So let's talk about your strategy. When you load into a trial, does the map determine how you play? And what are your preferred maps when working out your strategy? Um, the maps in the game are... I could rant forever. If you're coming to my stream, you'll hear me probably bemoaning the maps. Um, the maps will greatly, greatly, greatly dictate my strategy within the game. You know, uh, If it's Dead Dog, I hold that 3-gen by the Gallows. Um, if it's Father Campbell's Chapel, how bad is the tile stack next to Shack? If it's Ironworks, how bad is the tile stack next to Shack? Uh, are there any weak zones in this map? You know, is there a three gen even to be had? How many safe pallets did uh, the main building have next to it? That kind of thing. That's just kind of the minutia of, I guess, playing killer. But um, the maps are probably the biggest problem with the game right now. Uh, many, 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 many maps in this game do not encourage a curving play style and um, are insanely difficult for Billy to kind of get decent results on. Like there are a lot of maps where I spawn in and I just think to myself, well, let's try our best and uh, hopefully we can walk away with maybe a kill if I hard tunnel somebody. Um, but the Garden of Joy is, uh, I, I cannot talk about how much I hate the maps in this game without bringing up the Garden of Joy. That map is an absolute war crime against hillbilly and people who love hillbilly um it is garbage i despise that map and i think the map design team are just beyond incompetent for making this map and putting it into the game um the main building is absurdly overpowered there are multiple god windows on the on the bottom floor of that building um it is it is actually like brokenly dark in the main building if you go inside of there it is pitch black. It just There's no lighting for some strange reason. It just it does not exist. Uh, and then that's not even the biggest issue with the map. What's that, which is so strange because it's like the main building can kind of dictate how um, a match might play out if they get like too bad of window spawns. If, if the main building is, is like, let's say, RNG dependent, but this is a static main building and it is broken. The whole, the whole map is horribly survivor-sided. You don't stand much of a chance of winning on this map unless you're like playing nurse or something. Um, all of the loops that are by the, the shack, that go from the shack all the way to that motel loop with the strong window vault, 
um, you can tie those together with filler palettes. Uh, so it becomes one very long loop. And then I think the worst offender is for some reason they made these bushes that they littered all over the map that have these gigantic hitboxes. They are huge. They're so big. And if you clip this, if you clip one of these little twigs with your chainsaw, when you're trying when you're trying to land a chainsaw on a survivor who's like looping a pallet, you will stop. You'll just slam right into a, a little twig that pokes out. I I despise the Garden of Joy so much that I have disconnected from it as soon as I spawn in. There are other streamers that uh, have like a counter on their channel as soon as they log in where they, they just kind of track how many times they've played on that horrible map. And I've seen people DC on it. Um, it is pretty much universally hated by every single killer that I have ever heard talk about it. More so than, than like Eerie of Crows or Mother's Dwelling or Gideon Meat Factory like or like Cowshed. Like all of these maps that I just mentioned... Uh, Disturbed Ward, these are all like horribly one-sided maps where the survivors don't need to try very hard and they're just they're just going to win. They're just going to win because they got dead by map design. And everyone seems to hate the Garden of Joy even more so than that map. I full-on believe that that stupid map needs a rework. But um, it, and it definitely does. See, now that has surprised me because I thought RPD was the most hated map. Well, okay, so yeah, people people hated RPD, and and so did I. But like, it, I it did not compare it to, uh, to the Garden of Joy. Like, I hated RPD just because it was awkward, and you know, the scratch marks are terrible, and, and they would just hold W, and then you'd have to hold W after them, and there wasn't much looping to be had, and they just run to the next pallet, which is it's kind of like Gideon Meat Factory, but you know, the, the maps are really bad and dead by daylight, but uh, yeah, the the Garden of Joy is a it's a broken map. It's just tragically one-sided. It does not take skill for anyone to play that map. Uh, if the survivors lose on that map, they have massively misplayed. But, yeah, I, I'm sorry. It's okay, so the maps that I like, though, on Billy, um, the Azeroth maps are pretty much all going to be winners. Uh, all of them are really nice. If you're running two engravings, too, because there's lots of, like, structures where if survivors loop them, you can curve them fairly easily. Um, the Azeroth realm is definitely my favorite in the game. Um, the maps don't feel like disgustingly overpowered. The main buildings, except for like maybe Gas Heaven, aren't like absurdly broken. Um, Blood Lodge is actually probably the worst offender in the fact that it's too big and it gets too many safe pallets and they just have too many resources. So <clears throat> that's that's my only issue with a realm that is otherwise really good and does not need reworks. I think my favorite map of the game and probably the favorite map of like most every other Billy main in the game is going to be. Um, Wrecker's Yard. And the reason why is because just a lot of the Azeroth tiles are very fun to curve. Wrecker's Yard has just a shack as a main building. Um, the basement's always going to be inside a shack. Uh, the tiles are, you know, not, not too long, not too big. The tile stacking is pretty much, you know, you might get some bad RNG every now and again for the most part. It's, it's, a, it's, one of, it's the most balanced map in the game. I'm fairly certain of that. Um, Sanctum of Wrath isn't too bad. I, I, I like the Yamoka maps. Um, Dead Dog can be okay. Not for Billy. Billy actually kind of gets some hurt on uh, Dead Dog if the survivors will just hold... Uh, if they drop a pallet and then run straight to the main building, which seems to be the preferred playstyle of most survivors, it can be a very rough game. But uh, you hold on to your 3-gen, you can, you can make Dead Dog work for you. Um, some maps that I greatly despise as Billy would be like uh, Garden of Joy, Eerie of Crows, Gideon Meat Factory... 
mother's dwelling, uh, disturbed ward, Father Campbell's chapel. Uh, pretty much every map um, that's like maybe not as rough and, and maybe a few Macmillan maps. Uh, like Shelter Woods is good for Billy. Um, Ironworks can be okay for sure. Uh, I like Ironworks. Um, I hate Suffocation Pit. I hate Groning Storehouse. And then there's Coal Tower, which is you know, Coal Tower's Coal Tower. I, I wouldn't want to be Hillbilly on Coal Tower unless I had Bamboozle. Most of these maps, I would say, you you need to run Bamboozle on. However, Bamboozle is the kind of perk where it's like you have to Bamboozle responsibly. Like Bamboozle is effectively worthless in, let's say, Larry's unless you're going to use it for the effect of vaulting a window to keep pace with a survivor. Or Bamboozle, let's say, it's worthless on Gideon Meat Factory. Um... I would encourage people who run bamboos to maybe maybe think about bamboos in the window, uh, where the survivor is going to run to next, where are you zoning them to when you bamboos the window, and is it better to keep them at a loop that has a window that is a bit weaker than it is to shut down a window so they can no longer loop it. So, um, yeah, to answer that question, the maps that I like are pretty much just the Azeroth ones and then three out of five of the Macmillans. And like I said, Shank of Wrath can be definitely okay. So when you're going into a match, you have to assess your strategy based on the perks, your add-ons, the map you load into, and the survivors that you're likely to face. Because whilst they all do bring in very similar loadouts to one another, some might play differently from others. You get survivors that are more greedy than others, and put simply, just aren't as good as other survivors that you might come across. So do you change your playstyle based on um, the survivors that you play and how you how you see them running loops? Or do you stick to a one-trick routine or strategy? Um, I will absolutely try and curve a survivor that wants to be curved. And this is so rare to run into in high MMR because I play Hillbilly in very high MMR. Um, a hacker told me I'd like something like 2000 plus MMR on Hillbilly, which means that I'm running up against like pretty much just the best survivors that, that are in that bracket. Um, but yeah, like if they stick to a loop, I will try my hardest to curve them unless that loop is just exceptionally difficult because I don't want to throw the game to land a curve. That's not my play style. But if they want to get curved, like if, if because Billy is very difficult to play and his counterplay is just honestly too easy and brainless when the survivor drops a pallet and then runs to the next pallet or runs to the next window or like they never want to leave main building, you know, like, like, like if you get survivors that are just playing just obnoxiously safe, and looping things that can't be curved and they'll pre-drop pallets instead of like, you know, trying to maybe loop it once or twice and letting you try a curve. Those guys are incredibly annoying. And if if I get survivors like that, oftentimes what I will do is I will either have to uh, do a basic attack and I'm one them after I've bamboozled a window or something. And then I'll have to like um, use my chainsaw in some sort of anti-loop way. Uh, if if loops kind of uh, allow for such a thing, because there are many maps in this game where the loops are just not curvable, or maybe you just get some really bad RNG, which happens more often than it does in these days. But yeah, if a survivor is like, I would say plain and let's maybe call it a respectful way, where they're like, oh, this is a Billy. This is a very hard killer to play, if not the hardest. He is, um, you know, to make, making this game fun for me. I'm going to greed shack and i'm gonna i'm gonna stick to just shack when i loop i'm not gonna hold the w key and try and chain this whole map together pretty much making his power useless because that's all that it requires is just for a survivor to drop a pallet and then hold the w key to the next surrounding tile and chain as many of those loops together and you're, you're pretty much forcing billy to uh m1 you at that point 
Um, so more often than not, I, those are the kinds of survivors I get. And that requires you to play Billy in a, a less fun playstyle for you and less fun playstyle for them. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm still playing Billy. And, you know, the, I, I enjoy playing Billy just, just for the sake of playing Billy. So, like, those guys, I don't really like playing against them. But I will play against them. And if, if they're, like, a really efficient team and just make the game hard on me, I will oftentimes um, tunnel them out of the game where, like, let's say camp them um, from, let's maybe, or, like, zone their hook, hook them in, like, a corner of the map and, and just kind of zone that hook, try and get them to second stage. Um, some survivors might consider that to be sweaty, but when you're playing Billy against just really good squads, you have to play them in, in a very... In a very ruthless manner. Um, otherwise, you just don't get things done. And it's like, of course, I don't. You know, if it were up to me, you guys would. You guys would would loop pallets, and you wouldn't pre-drop. And if I could try and hook everybody twice and still stand a chance of like getting a two K, you know, killing two survivors at the, at the end of the game with eight hook stages or I guess ten hook stages, that's definitely the preferable way. But that's not the squads I get. The, the survivors I get are they want to do gens in legitimately five or six minutes, and then they want to leave and. It's like four mans on comms. I'll run into those a lot at the time of night that I play. Um, I've I've gone against actual comp players, people who play on like competitive leagues, uh, and those matches are usually fairly painful because they just play in in, in ways that I just described. Very very safe. Um, like to pre drop, <laughs> and that can be a lot for Billy to keep up with because he is just he's really not relevant to the game anymore in the current meta. I believe Onstarva. Um, had said that he's a C-tier killer, and they said if you're really good with Billy, which, you know, undoubtedly I am, you can maybe mimic the results of, like, a B-tier killer, which is about where I, I would place my skills with Billy. I feel like I stand more of a chance playing Billy than I do Leatherface on most of these maps against most of these survivors because I'm good enough with this chainsaw. So, um, yeah. Basically, if, if I get survivors that are very, very safe and gens are just flying and they're, you know, they'll still throw down Shack Pellet at five gens um, just because they know they have teammates that are working on generators and slamming those. That's when I'm like, okay, this is going to be one of those games where I'm going to get two stacks of no way out and I'm going to have to hard tunnel this guy and uh, we'll, we'll try and make a 2k happen. Or if I get like a good placement play, maybe, maybe I can potentially land a 3k, but it's more than likely it's not going to happen. Um, and it does greatly dictate my um, the outcome of the match, the kind of map that you get. There are some maps in this game where it's, you just get to lose the game. Like, um, I mean, there's plenty of them. Groning's Storehouse feels like that. Um, Rotten Fields for sure. <laughs> Mother's Dwelling. And I'm not saying you can't like get desirable outcomes. I'm just saying that if the survivors are all doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is just spreading out on generators and playing safe and just dropping pallets with reckless abandon, which, you know, the, is, is a very boring playstyle, doesn't require much skill, and of course holding W, um, they'll usually have a very easy time, because most of these maps are fairly imbalanced, but yeah. Totems have always been a big part of how killers and survivors play. It can change the game entirely by either hindering or helping both sides. Last year, they released Boon Totems, and these bit alone became such a powerful tool for survivors. As a killer, you're either forced to leave them alone and deal with the consequences or snuff them, only to find out 20 seconds later that the back will begin. But let's talk about totems and more specifically totem spawns. Do you think they're in a good place or do you think more improvements are needed? Um, I think boons are in a decent spot. The boons I would like to see the changes most to 
are shadow step. I just would like that to be like maybe boom lightweight because I feel like shadow step is too strong, mm-hmm. especially on indoor maps, especially on um, maps with really obnoxiously large main buildings like maybe Ironworks or Eerie of Crows. Turns shadow step from being like an, an A tier perk into one of the best perks in the game. Um, I don't think Shattered Hope should be base kit though. I mean, I'm a killer main. That's a hot take, I know, but like. You have to look at the boon mechanic in general, right? Uh, if a survivor is consistently rebooning a totem, they have to take time out of their day, which, you know, their time is not as valuable as yours as killer. But um, they have to go and boon something, and then you snuff it out, and they have to go and walk over there and reboon it again. Basically means they're not doing gens. Not only that, but most of the boons aren't conducive to doing gens. Um, the healing boon, like, if they heal, if they want to heal up, that's fine. I'm pl- I play Billy, you know? <laughs> I'm trying to use my chainsaw. Or if I am one, you... You know, I've got I've got fairly decent anti loop with my bamboozle and my low pro. It's, it's chases with me don't last exceptionally long unless the map RNG is just busted, which happens. It definitely happens. I'm not saying it doesn't, but them getting health stages is not too big of a deal to me because um, that's it, it, it takes them a fair amount of time to to heal through that with a boon. Um, I totally think circle healing is fine. I think boons are in just a, a good place in general. The ones I'd like to see the changes too, though. Are like boon exponential when you have a swift that's abusing that is absurdly annoying um but i feel like a swift would opt not for expo and maybe just run breakable in general um unbreakable i have issues with just on my own and, and <laughs> the unbreakable base kit proposed changes with with the most recent p2b i'm not exactly excited for but they did say that was experimental and they're not sure if they want to roll it out so hopefully they lean towards the side of reason and, and maybe choose to buff solo queue in different ways than to avoid just anti-slugging altogether. Because anti-slugging is, of course, um, extremely potent when like late game plays need to happen. I you know slugging at five gens that's miserable. Everyone hates that. But like when you're slugging because it's a three v one and you're trying to intercept someone who's about to go get an unhook just so you can end the game with just one gen left. Or like it's the end game collapse and there's no more generators left, so you're slugging to try and get the 4K. In those instances, Unbreakable is just like the best perk in the game. But um, just Shattered Hope in general, I think is it's worth the perks. It's not even worth the perk slot. I don't think it should be basic at all. Uh, the boom mechanic is no K mechanic. I don't have much issue with it except for Shadow Step. Um, as somebody who already can't hear very well in general, I do need my scratch marks, and the scratch marks are already trash. Enough as it is that hiding them completely all together is usually not um, very nice for someone like me. And on RCPD, Shadow Step is just, oh, it's overpowered. <laughs> it, is, it is way too good on those maps. Indoor maps make that perk just, I will tunnel. If, if a survivor has Shadow Step on an indoor map, I will just like camp my hook because I'm like, okay. This game's pretty much over anyways. But um, yeah, I guess that's my stance. I, I think <clears throat> I think Shattered Hope is... Uh, it shouldn't be basic. It's all I wear. It is just boons in general are fine. That's how I feel. Survivors waste too much time with it, and uh, I the really good squads that come in and want to slam generators and then get the hell out. They're not bringing. They're not bringing boons. You know, they're they're bringing like hyper focus, which I think is a problem. They're bringing stakeout and hyper focus and built to last with a toolbox, and they're bringing prove thyself, and they're all spreading up out on generators and doing gens in five six minutes and. Those are the squads that bug me. People who want to like heal up and, I don't know, try and bully you with a flashlight. Those guys, oh, sorry, excuse me, the, 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 killer, inter- the killer interaction squads who uh, suicide on hook when they can't bully a wraith for 10 minutes. 
those guys are the ones that like will bring in boons. Then I don't really care about that. So as previously mentioned, uh, you made the switch from Bubba to Billy, and you've already got over 26k downs. You put in a ton of hours in such a small space of time. So, and um, in that time, do you have any moments that you'd like to share with us, like going against high-profile content creators, legitimate competitive teams, or just clutch moments or crazy plays where you've even surprised yourself? A highlight for me playing Billy as much as I have is that I've made a lot of really good connections um, just through playing him really well. And I've impressed a lot of uh, fairly high-profile streamers. Um, you know, I've gone against various Fog Whisperers and 4K'd against uh, really solid teams, gone up against comp teams and solo queue, which those aren't really high points, but it's it's noteworthy, I suppose. Um, I've played up against that violin chick, who is a Fog Whisperer and Twitch ambassador, and now she's a very dear friend of mine and has helped my channels grow immensely. And I've also played up against um, Running Man, who, again, is a Fog Whisperer, and just a really exceptional Dead by Daylight player on his own right. And to be able to play Billy well against these players has been um, awesome. But probably the most important thing, I think, uh, through playing Billy is that I actually met my uh, girlfriend. Um, it was another streamer, Vicky Valiant, through uh, just various Twitch connections. And um, yeah, we just kind of hit it off because, well, she loves Billy and I can play him exceptionally well. And uh, what actually kind of got us got us started talking to each other was just my ability to do Skybilly really well because uh, word was kind of getting around that John does Skybilly and Curvebilly and you know, it's kind of fun to watch and so um, her and another streamer uh, Sinping Ali uh, who is a moderator of mine both of them are actually mods mine now uh, rated me and that was how Vicky she also rated me and I kind of came to meet and. So, you know, playing against the various Fog Whispers that I have who are very high profile, going up against, like, I guess, just big streamers. And, of course, the ground jewel is um, Vicky Valiant. So, yeah, I just wanted to put that one in there. So, in the short space of time that you've been playing Billy, you must have some great advice that you can share with us. What advice would you give to new players who are wanting to learn Billy? Um, yeah, so I get a lot of new survivors, or uh, killers, that come into my chat, and they... Uh, they ask me, like, you know, I'm trying to pick up Billy. What are some good tips for me? And what I always tell them is, of course, um, even if you're on console, for some weird reason, it's, well, it's not a weird reason. This is true. Um, Billy's curving, which is where a significant amount of his skill and power comes from, uh, is dictated by controller sensitivity in your in-game settings. Um, this is true for PC players, even if you're using mouse and keyboard. And this is true for console players, even if you're using just a controller. Um, it, it is, it was unintended that Billy have these really dramatic, like nasty curves that he's able to pull off. And, um, he, uh, it's just, that's why it's tied to, um, the in-game controller sensitivity. So that's just baseline set that to 100%. Um, and I, some people say they like set it to like 85, 90, set it to 100 and just kind of get used to using it because anything lower than that will reduce the potential for saw downs inside of confined spaces. So get, get used to it being at 100%. That's borderline the best advice you're going to get. <clears throat> and then from there, I would say um, don't do uh, don't do two engravings. That that like I love curfilly and that was for a long time what I did, but it's it's fairly gimmicky and very difficult to pull off and not many maps support it. I would say do do a death engraving and use dad's yellow boots. Those are the two best add-ons for somebody that's just learning Billy. 
Um, <clears throat> and then you can bring Bamboozle if you want to. Some some people argue against it, but I've got like 2,000-something hours on Billy, and I use Bamboozle all the time, even though I never used to use it. You know, I like probably 2,000 of those hours I didn't use Bamboozle. It's actually kind of relatively new to me. I would say bring that for sure. Um, and then get used to using his power inside of tiles because that's honestly when you use it for its antelope is when you're going to get the most value out of it. Um, just keep using his power. <clears throat> use it as often, as frequently as you can. Use it for um, just everything from map mobility to downing a survivor in a tile to um, pressuring an area like um, or maybe camping a hook if you need to because being able to face camp is a strength and when you're playing billy especially against good teams you need every little strength that weighs in your favor so um yeah and and then of course really begin to pay attention to the collision of objects that you're using your chainsaw around because i can tell you right now pretty much the collision of how most every object in the game feels at this point and what i mean by that is like if you ask me to draw the collision of like let's say the tires on Azroft, I could draw a kind of like a boxy type collision. Um, if you wanted me to draw the collision on the, the tiles around Ormond, I would know that it's smooth and you can slide off of it. Take notice of those types of things. Um, the, the, the kind of the rule of thumb is that any object where the collision is lower than Billy's, um, let's say mid waist, like right above his navel, you're going to slide off of. Anything that's below that, you're gonna slide off of and you'll glide past it. Anything that's above that, you're gonna slam right into it. And I will be the first to tell you that the looks on the, the height of collision is very deceiving and that things that you think that you should slide past, you will slam right into because it's kind of ridiculous. So we went into a little bit of detail about what your favorite maps are and what your least favorite maps are. But let's talk about the tiles. Uh, do you have a favorite tile, whether it be like a jungle gym or an LT wall or the four lanes, killer shack, or like a map specific main building? Um, uh, kill shack can be fun to mind game and try and land sauce through, but you can also waste a lot of damn time at kill shack, honestly. Um, crafty survivors will, you know, make it very difficult to get saws around kill shack. Maybe they'll crouch in the corner, do the corner attack on you, or if you're curving the window, they'll just take the window really wide or. You know, if you're off by a hair, you don't get the saw down because Billy does not reward anything less than perfection. I guess my favorite tile to curve is the Sin Car, which we don't know what that is. On the cars on Bad and Preschool, and then the cars in front of Gas Heaven, um, and then some of the cars in just the generic junk Azroth tiles, you can glide past and get saw downs. Um, those ones are really nice because I don't have to try very hard. And it's not that I don't like trying, and it's not that I like easy curves, but it's like, I know that a survivor loops that it's like 10 times out of 10, I'm going to hit that thing. And uh, very rarely have has a survivor been able to juke me around those. So that, that's my favorite tile to curve just because it's easy. But um, tiles that I don't like curving are like L walls. Those ones, there really isn't much of a curve there. Yeah, honestly, you can kind of do like some sort of weird 50-50 mind game where if you're at the, let's say, uh, shorter side of the window where you're to the left is the pallet. Uh, at, the, at an L wall pallet tile. Um, you can kind of maybe get a chainsaw down there. But other than that, there really isn't much of a saw there. Uh, long wall jungle gyms, I used to have such issue with those, but they're actually fairly easy to curve for me now. But like, there, it depends on the realm though, because some of them have like just a ton of counterplay. So the, the, the best way to, I guess, curve a long wall is to go to where 
go to go to one side of it with a chainsaw 99 and like go to the very edge of it and wait wait like a second two seconds and then you want to moonwalk so walk backwards while hiding your red stain from the window and then curve around the opposite end of the long wall and that will work against most survivors but if they're like really um if they're like really what would you say uh paying attention you're probably not going to get it because they have a lot of time to react just like with shack they've got a fair amount of time to react if you're trying to curve the window most of my shack curves come from inside of the window generator speeds have always been an issue for killers and in recent times they've gotten a lot better with perks and changes to the time it takes for a generator to complete but with that being said it's hard for the devs to balance out the game based on some killers being stronger than others so what are your thoughts on the gen speeds <laughs> my thoughts are that generator speeds now where i see hyper focus and improve and stake out toolboxes and both last pretty much every single game not not every game but i see them a bunch gen speeds have more or less gone back to the way that they were before the uh, 6.1.0 change um, the extra 10 seconds is not something i notice my games are still like five six minutes sometimes seven minutes each this is very very short and i have to try and snowball and make stuff happen in between that time um yeah i <clears throat> Gen speeds are an issue, but what's even more of an issue are maps and just kind of RNG in general. Um, I think Ots made the good point of these perks that survivors can bring in all have set amount of time that they can get value out of. There is no perk that a killer can bring in that will make chases have a set amount of time. Um, it's and that it, because a lot of killers regression is kind of based off of downing survivors, getting somebody out. Um, if you're running like Pop Goes the Weasel or Pain Res or Dead Man Switch, these are these are slowdowns that you need to work for, need to get downs to activate. These things can be just very difficult. Um, and so gen speeds, I don't think they're in a good spot, but it's mainly due to perks and it's mainly due to map layouts. Um, some maps are way too big to where it's impossible to pressure all the areas that you need to, like Ormond. Um, some maps they just get like absurdly broken RNG, and they don't need, and uh, they can waste your time with just overpowered loops, like like maybe let's say uh, Disturbed Ward, which again is a big map with with too good a main building. Um, gen speeds they're an issue, but not as big of an issue as like let's say the maps um, a lot of the maps are kind of i want to say just just the rotten core of dead by daylight and most of them need to be nerfed and most most generic tiles and most rng in this game needs to be nerfed uh that's that's where the area of the game i would say could take the most significant improvement is like if they'd started to rework like long wall pallet tiles maybe make them a bit weaker uh definitely nerf the um the long wall jungle gems because those are probably the strongest in the game the fact that you can get like a long wall jungle gem that touches shack is broken it's broken you should not be able to get a window tile next to shack at all i don't think like uh it's yeah the the rng in this game needs to be nerfed and, and it would definitely help with gen speeds if they did so mmr is something that behavior have put in to help make matches more fair for everyone with each individual skill level trying to be as close to each other as possible 
unless you're in that 1900 plus mark where everybody is just thrown in together like some sort of weird quick play kind of mode. There have been many different opinions on this matter, ranging from it should have never been implemented in the first place to MMR has been a good change to my matches as I'm not getting as many crap survivors juicing me for five gens and some in-between reactions thinking the, the it's a good intention, just a rather primitive way of measuring MMR being based off of just kills versus escapes, depending on what side you're on. So could you tell us from your own experience, your thoughts on the MMR systems and how it's affected your games with Hillbilly? Uh, that's actually a question I have the perfect answer for and get ready for yet another hot take. I don't hate MMR and I think it's a fairly good system. Um, when MMR is strict and the matchmaking functions as intended and uh, you get like a 2K, um, against really good survivors and you know and i will say this is um rare it it's not the worst experience in the game like when i go up against good survivors and i don't mind going up against good survivors like i've, I've got a story about this to be honest with you um a lot of hillbillies they don't bring slowdowns and they don't camp they don't tunnel they uh they will like try and land a, a curve that's very technical and very difficult and they um yeah, like, like you know, they'll, they'll do things that are kind of counterintuitive to maybe, like, winning or maybe killing all four survivors, that type of a thing. There's this whole thing among the Billy community where it's like, a lot of them don't bring slowdowns, all of them don't camp, a lot of them don't tunnel. Um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll use their chainsaw around almost every loop in the game, even loops doesn't really make much sense, and they'll try to, like, throw for flicks in a way and, and try and get, like, really cool clips, and that's fine. That's, that is a very relaxed play style. Um, it's very it's low stress. Uh, it's cool. It's fun for both sides. And if you want to do that, you want to make that content. That's totally fine. That's okay. That's no problem with me. But like, if we're being honest with each other, they're not going up against good survivors. There's only maybe one killer in this game who can make deal with no slowdowns, and that is like, that's like a slugging nurse, you know. Um, every killer in this game needs at least one slowdown, if not two, if not three, uh, depending on the team you're going up against. And to, to playing in like kind of a more passive manner, because uh, I used to do that. I used to be the M2 Billy that tried to land that special flick against this <clears throat> W Gaming survivor, no matter no matter what, and would lose the game or get like four hook stages to my name, uh, and then all the survivors leave out the exit gate. And it, what that does is that will really tank your MMR and. Back before when I did that, I was going up against kind of like newer survivors. Um, I was going up against people that didn't really know what they were doing. They're very low devotion. They had maybe 500, 400 hours played total with that. Um, they looped in very predictable manners. They would always fall for my mind games. Um, I could comfortably get eight hook stages before I killed anybody. You know, the map didn't really matter very much. They could even lose against me using two engravings when I was on Gideon Meat Factory, which should not happen. Uh, you know, just o overall, it would be kind of a, let's say, easy, relaxed environment for me playing killer. And I enjoyed that, too. You know, I just listen to music, talk to chat in my stream and and uh, land chainsaw hits against uh, survivors. And when I was paying really close attention to my chainsaw hits on the leaderboards, doing that, I was able to get like 200, 250 chainsaw downs a night because it's like doing M2 only against kind of newer survivors. It's really not hard to land those. So I would... Uh, you know, I was really enjoying, like, kind of jumping up the leaderboards. But um, then when they removed Skybilly, I wanted to kind of differentiate myself from the other streamers that play Billy in that manner. Where it's like, okay, well, if there's a bunch of... Not that there's a whole bunch of Billy main streamers, but, like, 
If there's already billing mainstreamers that are good at curbing, that stream maybe at the same, more relatively the same hours as I do, how am I going to kind of separate myself from those guys? And so I was like, well, I guess I'll bring slowdowns. And um, I started bringing slowdowns. And then, and then I was like, okay, well, you know, these games are getting kind of tough. Maybe I need to start, like, let's say, playing in a more aggressive manner. Maybe I need to try and kill somebody when there's two gens left. Or maybe I need to start bringing No Way Out. And <clears throat> overall, it just kind of, as I started to play um, in a more gen-efficient manner and try to win more often, my games got much difficult, much more difficult. And ultimately, where I'm at now, when I queue up, um, I want to say nine times out of ten, I get just survivors. I call them like they're good in the sense that they know how to outplay Billy. But Billy is one of the easiest killers in the game to juke, even if you're really good with them. All you need to do is just kind of be unpredictable or uh, loop a structure. And then if he's ready to chainsaw, you, then you run away from the structure and his chainsaw. Uh, will slow him down because you have to wait for the time to decrease and you can use that time to uh, run to the next tile or run to a new pallet or basically W game is what it's called and most of the time when survivors drop a pallet Billy will usually have to break the pallet so what a lot of very very safe survivors do not skillful but safe they will drop a pallet you break it and then they run to the next pallet they'll drop that too you break that one and uh Anytime that there's like some sort of a, a window where you try and use your chainsaw, they just run right to the next loop. And that is a annoying play style that uh, is very effective against Billy. And some nights when I get like nothing but those types of survivors, I will switch to Blight. But um, that has been my experience with MMR was back when I was not uh, when I was not concerned with winning and I was fine with going up against kind of brand new players and curving like maybe a baby bill around Shaq. Um, I, you know, I, I definitely was like, I was one of those guys where I was like, MMR doesn't work. But then as I tried to win more, um, I was, I now convinced that MMR works because from my firsthand experience, I get very good gamers, very sweaty players, uh, lots of good teams that bring toolboxes and, um, everybody has like, you know, dead hard or something, some variant of, of like, uh. Well, I mean, I don't know. You, you see Dead Hard not as much as you used to, but like, yeah. It's just people, the survivors are going up against are trying to win. They're bringing map offerings. They're bringing uh, toolboxes. You know, they've got med kits. Uh, you get some flashlight squads that just want to mess around. But for the most part, they, uh, they're they in there to do gens and get out. And so for people who say that MMR does not work, I would say I hardly disagree. And my experience has been the complete opposite. I went from being what I assumed to be low to mid-tier MMR to now at the MMR cap where um, I'm playing Billy up against like you know, the same survivors that a nurse who is using Starstruck will be going up against. So talking about juking, I'm not sure how much experience you have going against the killer that you normally make, but it can be either easier or harder. And this could depend on many factors from strength to how they use their abilities or even how predictable or unpredictable they are. Do you find it easier now going against the billy <laughs> i'm not an excellent survivor man uh do i find it if i wanted to play it in like in a really let's say um safe way you know again using the word safe not good if i want to play in a safe way and just pre-drop pallets and then keep vaulting windows and stick to the tiles i know are difficult to curve i could yeah i could definitely do some billy maybe even indefinitely take one of five gen chase easy but that's because billy is one of the easier killers to to juke for sure um, but that's not the way I play against Billy because it's like I'm a Billy main 
I know what it's like to play Billy. You know, this guy is playing a killer that's very hard to play. It's very fun to play against. Uh, he already has to worry about how terrible the map is. It's He's not having the best time in the world anyways. So I, I want to try and make this game fun for him. Like, I appreciate the fact this guy's not playing Nurse. I appreciate the fact he's not, like, running four slowdowns as, as I don't know, whatever. Who cares? Uh, he's essentially, like, in some ways, he's, he's definitely um, weakening himself for the sake of both of our fun and, and i'm appreciative of that so i will always greed i'll take him to fun loops i loop things tightly so if he wants to land that sick you know curve around a long wall or something or he wants to like land a shack curve and he can land it on me so if i wanted to juice billy indefinitely i most assuredly could but aside from not really playing survivor much i just wouldn't do that to somebody that's playing billy a recent hot topic for the dead by daylight community was the massive influx of cheaters that seemed to have just popped up out of nowhere there have always been a few knocking around, but it's come to a point where even the fog whisperers themselves were speaking out about it and telling behavior to sort something out. Have you had as many problems with these cheaters as the more popular content creators, or has it been business as usual with the odd nuisance cheater here and there? Um, I The cheating epidemic is rampant and uh, bad. Um, yeah, it's... So I had... Um, if I didn't dodge as many profiles as I do, I would probably run into one a night. And even when I am like fairly paranoid and dodging maybe one or two lobbies, um, I still run to hackers. Um, but I have to be very careful for sure. Um, they exist. The subtle ones, the subtle ones are definitely a problem. But at the end of the day, if you're subtly hacking just because you want that extra, I don't know, you know, no stagger when you fall from a great height uh, or uh, faster gen speeds. It's like, you know, like that sucks, but you're not taking me hostage. The ones that are taking me hostage are the ones that I don't like. And <clears throat> this is a tip for anybody that's experiencing that. If you do get, if it's, it's specifically for like smaller type streamers, if you get taken hostage and they want to harass you and they're, they're in your chat trying to mess with you, first thing you do, ban them from your chat instantly. Then what you should do is um, DC from the game, disconnect, and then go to uh, the main menu on Steam. Hopefully you're on Steam. If you're on Epic Games, I don't have much of a solution because that's where most of the hackers are. And turn cross-play off. And that's usually what I'll do. When I encounter a hacker, I just leave the game DC. I don't want to give them any attention. I don't want them to spam their chat or their, their cheats in the post-game chat so my chat can read that. Um, I don't want them to come to my chat. And if they do, I ban them immediately. I, I want them to have no platform with me and I don't want to put up with it. And then I just go to cross off and I'll play cross off, you know, for a few hours or until the end of the stream, if they want to keep trying to target me. And that will usually, um, fix the issue. I've, I have not had them repeatedly target me when I, when I do these, but it, it is an issue. Uh, I am vigilant and I am paranoid. I always dodge anonymous profiles. Always, 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 especially if they are, are not on steam, that is such a red flag. Um, if their profile is private and they have like no profile picture, I'll usually dodge. Or if they have like an offensive profile picture, I will dodge. Um, I, you just have to be hyper vigilant against these people. And it's, it's an issue and it's just going to be like kind of an ongoing issue. It's in a really bad state right now. I do, you know, I've got hope that EAC is working on some sort of bandwave to catch them. And then maybe it'll be calm on the Western front for, you know, another two, three months like it was before this hacking epidemic. But it's been an issue for like two, three months now. And uh, Odd Starva, <clears throat> you know, I think we all know who that is. Uh, I even got DDoSed a while ago too. And he was he was voicing his um, his very valid 
grievances with the game on stream uh even uh well i want to like I don't know. It's I can't substantiate it, but I had been told I'm not even going to say it just because I can't substantiate it. But yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's an issue and it needs to be addressed. And I hope that it is addressed with satisfying to everyone. DVD has gone through so many changes from balancing to perk changes to a complete readjustment of some killers. And so this begs the question: What do you think to the current state of DVD? And do you think they're heading in the right direction? Our perks headed in the right direction. A lot of the perks now, not a lot of them, but the ones that are having the most impact on the game or the ones that are targeting gen speeds, um, those ones are not headed in the right direction because it's like the the dev team wanted to make meaningful changes to the overall pace of the game to make it last a bit longer, to make kill rates higher, and through doing so gave survivors hyper-focus, which in its current state is too strong uh, and it needs to be addressed. I think... If you've got hyper-focused stakeout with a toolbox, you can slam a gen in something like sub-40 seconds by yourself. It's pretty nuts. Some of my fastest games that I've ever had have been uh, after the 10 seconds of an edited generators. Um, my fastest game ever was on, like, Midwitch of all maps, uh, where the survivors did gens in, like, four and a half minutes. And that was before the extra 10 seconds. And just recently, I had a game where every single generator was done in five... I want to say five and a half minutes, if not five minutes on the nose, despite me trying to my hardest to, uh, you know, do everything I could as a killer to prevent that. So I think gen related speeds for survivor are really dangerous and I don't like them. Um, the two things that they really shouldn't mess with with survivor are movement speed, gen speed. And I guess you could say scratch marks too, but lightweight, flyweight's fairly okay for what it is. Shadow step was just, <clears throat> I've got a big bone to pick with that perk, but Movement speed needs to remain the way that it is, and gen speed needs to remain the way that it is. Um, aside from that, most of the perks they're adding are kind of just not, they're not really blowing my hair back. I don't really care. Like Terminus was, Terminus, I guess, is like pretty decent on Plague instead of Noed. Um, but it's, I mean, it's an okay perk. It's, just, it's, it's probably not as good as Noed, but it exists. Um, aside from that, though, I can't really, I can't complain about the direction they're really taking it in. But I, I do think over a hyperfocus is, is too good. So we all know that Billy has a unique way of downing people, especially at loops by curving. But can you explain how to curve and when the best time is to use it? Um, that is a little bit difficult to explain. The best time to curve is it really does kind of come down from experience and practice and just knowing what the what the collision of the tile feels like, what you can conceivably, you know, uh, achieve with your chainsaw. Um, I guess if you're really new to that, kind of give the survivor, let's say you want, you want to be like really close on them, but not, not too close because if you're too close, they can, they can easily juke the chainsaw. What you want to do is you want to be like, right, let's, let's call it three feet behind them, maybe four feet behind them. And you want to use the chainsaw in a very reactive way. Um, that's more of a back revy. That's what they call it. A back rev when you're like right on top of the survivor and you use the chainsaw. That's a fairly effective way of playing Billy. Um, there are some curves that you can do, like maybe reliably around some loops, but it requires explanation that is maybe hard to, uh, convey through just, um, speech. Like, uh, like if I wanted to tell you how to curve, um, the, uh, water heater tile on Azeroth, um, where you can sometimes get a pallet that spawns next to the green truck, but it's next to that white water heater. I would tell you what you should do is you should zone the survivor to where the tire is on the left side of the pallet 
and then you should zone the survivor back towards the pallet and then zone them once more towards the tire on, on the other side of the water heater and then curve around the uh, the rounded water heater structure and you can land that curve fairly easily. That's a reliable curve that um, that I will often go for on the Azeroth maps. Um, or like maybe some of the, the cold wind maps have this kind of uh, a trailer hitch that, that carries uh, hay that you can curve um, around that trailer and it doesn't have high collision so you can glide around it and gets, it allows you to activate the chainsaw from further away to potentially get some more interesting curves around annoying tiles. So, um, but aside from like when to use it, I, I guess I could give, just give you tile specific uh, instructions, like, like a TNL wall. Whenever I'm trying to mind game a TL wall. Nobody revolts the T wall. Uh, it, that's I just I don't know why, but like that's just what I've noticed. I guess it's because the T wall is the shortest wall, um, in comparative to the L wall. The L wall is safer because it's a longer wall. The T wall has the shorter walls on both sides, so um, the T wall is, is is the unsafe wall where most survivors are just gonna want to they'll fake out the t wall and then they'll just go straight to the l wall so what oftentimes what i'll do is i'll ready my chain software at the t wall and then i'll moonwalk and then i'll and then usually by that point they'll be trying to vault the l wall and i can usually get a chainsaw down at tnl walls doing that um the, the walls that i don't really try and chainsaw are just l walls and l wall pallet tiles just because those uh those windows are long enough to where they will always have enough time to react or fake out like a window vault. It's just not worth it. And those are the ones that I'll, I'll bamboozle. Or like I'll bamboozle Shack too, just because you can you can waste too much time at Shack. Um, yeah, and, and, and there are some pal... Okay, this is another good bit of advice, is any loop that is low enough to where the survivor can always see and react to your movements are usually not worth um, trying to chainsaw. And I know some people are like, well, you know, you, sh you shouldn't, uh, you should always try and chainsaw the, uh, the trucks on, on um, let's say, uh, Wrecker's Yard, or, or you should try and chainsaw the palatals on Macmillan. No, you shouldn't. And any low loop where the survivor can always react to your positioning and not your red stain um, is a bad chainsaw loop because they can, they, they will pretty much avoid it 100% of the time. Um, you can't zone them well enough because you can try and do some fancy mind games where you spin your camera around or you show your red stain to the right where you go to the left and uh, you can you can try and pull that off but any sort of loop where they can just 110% see what you're doing and react to your positioning and not your red stain it's not worth it um, in those instances you know I just try and force them to either drop the pallet by back revving them or I am one them or something like that but low loops like that I would say don't bother uh unless the survivor is kind of you know maybe not the most skilled because unskilled survivors you can curve somewhat easily around those loops for sure so a problem i used to have um when i was playing heal believe um picking him up was the survivors trying to uh juke my chainsaw if i'm sort of back revving them because it can sometimes be hard to feather the chainsaw at like 99 percent and keep track of their movements at the same time do you have any tips for combating that yeah the feathering cadence is specific for whether or not you have two engravings one engraving or no engraving it's it's two it's three different uh cadences but just get it at like 99 um and then get used to that like i can tap out on my desk right now the the cadence for 99 and chainsaw with double engravings which is what i'm doing right now i don't know if the mic's picking it up but that's it's about what it is right there um that 
is the cadence for 90-90 in a chainsaw. What you should do when you're trying to back rev a survivor, um, this is the best advice uh, that I can give. And from what I can tell, it's the best advice anyone has given on how to do it. Because I've asked other Billy Mains, and for the most part, they don't give any sort of like, what would you say, uh, cogent advice that you can execute um, mechanically. Because that is difficult to, to convey verbally for sure. Anyways, what you do, back up. Give them a little bit of space, not too much space, but you want to give them again that that two, three feet, four feet of distance. And then you have to mirror their movements. And, and I mean mirror their movements in the most literal sense. So if it, because a mirror is the inverse of what it is that you're doing. You know, if you put your, if you put your right hand against a mirror, you will see the left-handed version of your mirrored self putting their left hand against the mirror. So if they're moving to the right, you move to the left. And do this for like a second. Mirror their movements for like a second. So if they're moving to that left for like a second, give literally one, go. That's it, that's all you do. Give them space, mirror their movements, do that little dance with them. It is a dance where if they're gonna move to the right, you move to the left, so they move to the left for a second, you hit them. If they're moving to the right, you move, you know, or they're moving to the left, you move to the right, you know, do that one second, count it one second, hit them. That is, more often than not, nine times out of 10, it's gonna work. And that's the way that I've had the most success landing back revs, because back revs are actually a, very difficult, especially on crafty survivors, man. Um, doing like doing little spins and trying to land a chainsaw against a survivor that's spinning is as actually pretty difficult for sure. Uh, yeah, it, it does not take much to juke Billy's chainsaw, to be honest with you. So I've seen a plethora of people who play Billy and there always seems to be a divide between using a controller and a keyboard and mouse when drifting. What do you use? And if you use a mouse, do you find that the DPI on the mouse makes any difference? Um, The DPI changes absolutely nothing uh, for Billy's chainsaw when he is using it um, beyond. Yeah, as soon as the power is activated, DPI does not matter. And for the, uh, the what would you say, um, <laughs> the degree with which he can turn. And I would, um, I, I play at 400 DPI, which is very, very low for this game. Um, most, most killers play at like 800 to 1600 DPI. I play at 400 when I'm playing Billy. When I'm playing somebody else, I kick it up to 800 because it's just too low. You'll get spun and it's embarrassing, but, um, you can be a good console Billy, but like, I would never want to try and play Billy against super good survivors with a remote control, man. That seems, that seems way, 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 way too hard. And, uh, yeah, just, just for steering in general, I use Q and E to steer, but I've never once ever used Q and E to curve. I have a fairly large mouse pad and I just use my mouse to curve. And you, you can have a smaller size mouse pad and, and curve with a mouse and keyboard. I don't think you need to curve with Q and E even a little bit. It's just, uh, yeah. It's it's just personal preference, honestly. Some people curve with Q and E, some people only curve with Q and E. I've only ever curved my mouse and that's the way I learned it and that's how I'm gonna stay. So John, uh, tell me, did you play a lot of Hillbilly before his overheat mechanic got added? Nope. No? Oh, I've only been playing Billy since November. So. Oh, okay. November of last year. So there's not much point in asking if uh, the overheat felt like a nerf or or not compared to what he used to before, right? Well, I mean, it's a definite, absolute head and shoulders nerf, no doubt about it. It is it is insane. Uh, it's awkward. It's clumsy. It's a bad rework. They did a really bad job reworking Hillbilly. He does. He has very few add-ons that are viable. Um, he's got a, he's got a hindrance to his base kit that he didn't need. I mean, if they were trying to reduce face camping uh, and they didn't want a, another killer like Leatherface that can just indefinitely face camp, it's like, I get it, but can you add some sort of like a debuff to only being around the hook? Because having your chainsaw feathered for, let's say, 
six seconds, eight seconds is a detriment to you because you're moving so slow. Like that, that you don't need the overheat on top of it. It's it is stupid. It's a it's a bad design. Behavior did a terrible job with, with Billy's rework. I mean, it's that is just that that's not it's a factual thing to say that they did a bad job it is universally hated by the community nobody likes it they just need to address the fact that they messed up and then revert some of the changes and give them back some decent add-ons like if i had my hands on billy i would i would do changes for sure okay we've gone over how viable he is at high mmr as well haven't we um kind of never never in like definitive terms billy is not relevant to the meta of the game anymore uh if you get if you get four survivors who are really good and play safe and spread on generators, you're going to lose the game. Um, you know, you go up against just just the right team on even a good map, you can still lose fairly easily. Uh, they don't need to do very much to juke your chainsaw. Um, a little bit of a like like yeah, most of the curves that you try and pull off, they're going to be aware of. Playing Billy against good survivors is very difficult, and I I know why like. Uh, like, like, like I do, that's why I say I don't I don't judge anyone that like wants to play him in like mid to low tier MMR because those that's probably more, way more fun than what it is that I do. But um, I guess I've just decided to set myself out, you know, apart from those people by playing him in an MMR that he is not made for because he is not relevant to the meta of the game. Okay, well we probably this has probably been brought up once already, but not too long ago, Behavior in their infinite wisdom decided to remove Sky Billy from the game. It's made a decent amount of Billy players put him down for different killers because they mostly just wanted to show off how good they were at flying around the map. What what were your feelings on this, and um, how much of a Sky Billy enthusiast were you? Oh, I love Sky Billy. I probably knew how to do a jump on every single map in the game, including Larry's. It's it made me very sad when they took it out, and I still am very saddened by it. Um, it hurt nobody. The fact that it was in the game, you could never use it for a tactical advantage ever. Um, yeah, I. <laughs> it, it it didn't need to happen. It just it really does come across as behavior being like, who's having fun in here? It it was just ridiculous, man. It 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 didn't need to happen. Um, the game is now worse off for it. They did not embrace uh, what the community wanted. They just kind of danced to the beat of their own drum. Maybe through fixing it, like they fixed something more serious with the game. Like, because when they nerfed Skybilly, they didn't just nerf Skybilly. They nerfed the way. That all killers interact with, um, with getting any sort of horizontal mobility off of a structure. Uh, you know, light moves differently now when he falls. Uh, demo moves differently when he falls. Oni moves differently when he falls. You fall very flat like a stone, and that's it's definitely a mistake for sure. They like I kind of compare it to looping in some ways. The game was never made around the idea of looping like the behavior never in it this was supposed to be a hide and seek game not many people not many people really know that but it was always supposed to be like you hid from the killer and, and you, you really couldn't do very much in terms of um uh like uh, like counterplay right it was supposed to be like a hide and seek game that's why there's so many lockers and high bushes and strong windows and things like that and then they kind of embraced the looping meta and they're like okay this is what people like more <clears throat> and it's more fun then we'll, we'll keep this around and billy with sky billy it, it didn't hurt anybody man they didn't need to do that they 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 really don't like hillbilly and we should address that so behavior behavior treats hillbilly like a redheaded stepchild they just it it had been in the game for six years too when they took it away like like who was i hurting by getting on top of a generator it <laughs> you even had a 
a channel redemption for like teaching Skybilly as well, didn't you? I suppose you've had to remove that. Uh, I don't recall if I did, but I might have taken it away. But yeah, it's it's sad, man. It lost a big part of the game. With all the changes that he's had in the past from the good, the bad and the ugly, do you feel that Billy is in a good spot? Do you feel that he needs more changes? And if so, what do you think they should change? If they let me have my hands on Billy and let me have my way, which they would never do, I would give Billy Doom Engraving Space Kit at, uh, and I wouldn't give him the extra 12% charge time. for. He just needs a base kit speed increase. And then I would take Doom Engravings out of the game and I would make something even stronger, like uh, like a purple engraving that gives you something crazy, like 30%, 40% movement speed. Because even when I was doing two engravings with Hillbilly, I would still get survivors that would juke the chainsaw at the very last second on like a really, just a really precise, gorgeous shack groove that I had zoned beautifully and lined up beautifully and executed it perfectly. And it still didn't work because they just moved out of the way at the very last second, did a little bit of a twirl. That was all that it took. And it's like that precision on my end was so much muscle memory and so much tile knowledge and so much skill that I just exerted. And the survivor just outplayed it by doing, doing a little bit of a twirl that was it and i'm like it's like like there are so many other killers in the game that reward less precision than that just it, and it, it, it did break my heart how billy has to like work 10 times as hard to get half of like what other killers get and yeah i so i would give him just a base kit speed increase of the doom engravings and i would take them out of the game i would leave the death engravings i would leave the yellow ones and i'd make some you know purple one like i don't know mega death engravings or something and then I would give him a lot of his old add-ons back. I, I will be honest with you in saying that I don't even think Instasaw is bad for the meta of the game anymore. Um, there have been many games where it's like, even if I had my old Instasaw, or, or even if I never got to use old Instasaw, but even if I had had old Instasaw back, I still would have lost handily, handedly because it's just Mother's Dwelling or something like that. Um, if they wanted to keep Instasaw gone, it's like, I get it. But at the same time, Billy's charge time for his chainsaw allows so much counterplay that it can be it it can be kind of ridiculous um billy has a ton of counterplay you know be unpredictable drop a pallet run away from the tile structure hold w just things like this are stupid easy and make make playing billy sometimes just an absolute pain and uh he's he's in a really terrible spot like i understand slamming into a wall when you have a chainsaw that's insta-downable should be a, a stun that's significant but the words at like right now where it's as long as current ds is pretty dramatic um it really does make you feel very punished for trying to get the feel of the killer he's he is very um hands-off for new players because he is so punishing there's not many other killers in this game are as punishing um as billy when you miss their power nurse is nurse is fairly punishing because they get tons of distance but you know she could of course make up for that by going through a wall billy gets a three seconds done and he's incapable of going through walls so it's you know he's potentially is the most punishing killer in the game and there we have it thank you again john for joining us for the second time oh you did fantastic but yeah thank you for coming on again john it's great to have another perspective from um from a killer from a second person as well yeah I, that was it really damn i'm so, I, f I feel like i was not uh i feel like i didn't give the best answers then because I, I definitely could have wasted your time a lot more <laughs> yeah if if not blight, maybe comp only. Yeah, for sure. I, I really enjoy it, and I definitely do it again as blight too because I love playing blight. But uh, that that we'll we'll schedule that for like maybe well maybe we'll do it like in another we'll definitely right. next year or something. Thank you very much for uh, for giving us your time as well. <laughs> okay, all right, <laughs> okay, all right, guys, take it easy. And there we have it.
we've reached another great interview. It was really nice to speak to John Tyomi again about his newfound love for Billy. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, then why not give us a review on Apple Podcasts? And if you're on Spotify, then why not give us a rating? It would really help us out. If you want to hear more interviews, we have them on the website, intothefogcast.com, or you can just search for Into the Fogcast on your favourite podcasting app. This episode was recorded on pack 6.2.2. We'd like to thank John Tyomi again for agreeing to do the interview and myself and Tofar for everything else. All links will be in the description of the podcast and we hope you have a great day.